It's a Wonderful Life. That's the title of the series. The movie, It's a Wonderful Life, just a, a couple of uh, tidbits about it. It's a Wonderful Life was the 1946 American Christmas fantasy comedy drama film produced and directed by Frank Capra based on the short story and booklet, The Greatest Gift. I just thought, wow, it was based upon The Greatest Gift. And uh, it was written in 1939, published in 1945. But that movie's been around a long, long time. It's a wonderful life. And if you watch that movie, <clears throat> you'll find out that all through the theme, it's kind of depressing, a big portion of it. But at the end, he finds out that it is a wonderful life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait till I get to the end of my life to find that out. I do not want to wait till you know, I'm 80 years old. Well, I finally found out it's a wonderful life. That's a little behind the curve. I think if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, from that day forward, you need to know it's a wonderful life. Amen. And the Bible backs that up in John 10.10. This is the amplified version. I'm sorry. The tra- uh the Passion Translation. It says, A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy, but I have come, this is Jesus, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Man, I mean, we, we should just go home and go to Sam's and buy tables. But I mean, we... It, <laughs> But God wants us to have this abundant life. And he's paid it in full 2,000 years ago. Melody was talking to me. She had this conversation with one of her older relatives. She's in her 70s. And she says, you know, Melody, when I was a teenager, I was raised in church. And and, uh, she said, we couldn't play checkers. We couldn't play dominoes. We couldn't definitely play with cards because that's what's the devil's tools, you know, the cards. And, and uh, we couldn't even go to the fair. It was a sin to go to the fair. And you definitely couldn't go to, to the cinemas because, you know, they spelled cinemas S-I-N, I guess, because it was, a, <laughs> it was a sin to go to the movie theater. And she said everything, she thought, everything that it seems like my friends at school and everything, it just seems like everything they do for fun looks like fun, but I'm not allowed to do it. And then she got married, and her husband, he was a Christian. He was a believer, and their, their family was a believer and went to church, and they got to play checkers. They got to play games, and they got to go to the movie, and they got to go to the fair. She thought, man, I felt like this, this, I've, I've really started living now. I can enjoy life. It's a shame, but I think a lot of Christians are, are still in that boat today. It got quiet in the first service right when I said that too. But anyway, I I just know that people live in so much bondage, they think that if if I'm having fun, that it it must not be um, proper or right before God. There was somebody in the mission field that, uh, a little girl, and she, she got a bite of ice cream for the very first time, and she threw it down. And this is what she said, anything that good and fun must be a sin. It's a shame that that's going on. You have to be taught that. I said, we, I was taught that, some of us were taught things like that, unfortunately. I was taught some good things, but I was taught some religious things that put me in bondage. 
that caused me to sneak around and do the things that, I, that they told me I couldn't. But anyway, it, it's just wrong. <laughs> oh, my mom is in heaven laughing right now. But um, uh, if only she knew. But, uh, and she probably does now. But anyway, uh, Jesus, the, the title of today's message is The Wonderful Life, but it's, uh, I, I titled it a subtitle, The Great Exchange. The great exchange because Jesus has exchanged his wonder. Do you know he was up in heaven? He had everything, enjoyed everything. He was everything. And he came in Philippians and says he, he gave all of that up and emptied himself and poured himself into human flesh, into a baby that was going to rely totally upon mankind to be taken care of, to change his diaper, to burp him, to feed him to make sure he's been uh, warm in the wintertime and taken care of. He was totally uh, dependent upon man. Well, I I just think how much Jesus truly depended upon God the Father that everything was going to be all right, that he was going to be taken care of. And he exchanged all that he had and gave it to us. He took everything that you and I had He took everything that you and I had and exchanged it. We got everything that he had and was. How many think that's a good deal? I mean, I mean, that would be like me saying, I've got some, uh, here, Dwayne, I got some, oh, I got some lint in my pocket. (laughs) And he gives me a check for a million dollars. How many think that would be a great exchange? Maybe on this side. How many think that would be a great exchange? Would you give up your Lent for a a million-dollar check or a thousand? Would you would you give up your Lent? Well, that's that's so many times in our life we think, oh, I've got to give up so much to to become a Christian. Really, honey, it's not even Lent. You're not even giving up Lent. I mean, when we give up our life, and we and most believe, I mean, people out outside of church, you know, they think that I have to give up my fun times and I have to give up this and I have to give up this and that I remember when I started getting serious about God when I was a teenager and I was really into uh, rock and roll I had hundreds of dollars uh, which today would be thousands and thousands of dollars of albums anyway when I started getting serious about God you know people said well you're going to have to give all that up if you really want to get close to God so I was struggling with it, and I wouldn't listen to it for a few days, and then I would listen to it, you know, I was in my car, and when I listened to it, I just think, you sinner, you. You're just so bad, and it was like, you know, when my dog poops in the living room, it's, the ears go down, the tail, you know, it's like, I know I did something wrong. I mean, I, I just felt like that. It was a terrible feeling. It's a, is that a terrible feeling or not? I mean, I'm talking like, pooping in your liver it's bad it's bad but uh I just never could I couldn't open up my eyes to the goodness of God and finally some Christian who who was a lot smarter than me he sit there and says Mike don't worry about that just keep serving God and following God don't don't be so concerned about what you have to give up Christians get so 
bent out of shape because they feel like they, oh, I got, I got to make, I got to give this up, you know. And you've heard sermons. I've heard sermons like this that you know we have to be like Abraham and 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 give up our Isaac and sacrifice our Isaac. If you don't raise your hand, but I mean, you, you've heard messages like that. You have to sacrifice your Isaac, you know, to get really get into what God. Listen to me, honey. Jesus was our sacrifice. Are you out there? Jesus was our sacrifice. So you get a hold of the goodness and the love of God. Get a hold. He is well pleased with you today. He's well pleased with you today. He is well pleased with you today. All of you, he's well pleased with you today. If you don't hear anything else, hear that today, that your heavenly father is well pleased with you today. That'll take you far. That'll take you far. John chapter 14. Verse 18, this is some of the last words that Jesus spoke to. Uh, he said, I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back. In just a little while, the world will no longer... Long... All I had was coffee this morning, just so you know. In just a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me. I want you to remember that phrase because I'm going to bring it back. You're going to see me. Because I'm alive and you're about to come alive. <laughs> he says, I'm alive and you're about to. Some of you may think you've had life, but you're about really to have life. At that moment, you will know. At that moment, when, when what? When you come alive. When you see me. At that moment, you will know absolutely that I'm in my Father and you're in me and I'm in you. Why are you going to know that? Because you're going to understand and realize the wonderful life that God has provided for you and me. But you got to see it. you got to see it. Romans chapter 5. We're going to read some scriptures real quick. Romans chapter 5 verse 20. This is the Phillips translation. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's, it's a good one. Now we find that the law keeps slipping into the picture to point the vast extent of sin. That still happens to you and me today. The law keeps slipping in to point out sin in our lives. You know, we, we should be doing this, we should be doing that. It keeps slipping in. Yet, though sin is shown to be wide and deep, thank God His grace is wider and deeper still. Did you hear that? Oh, sin is bad. Oh, there's a lot of going on in Pueblo. It's bad. It's bad. Oh, it's really bad. Sin. I mean, out of all the cities in Pueblo, sin is probably the most rampant in Pueblo, Colorado. It's dark here. It's, it's really bad here. It's, ooh. Well, this says that grace is much wider and is far deeper than any sin. Amen? The whole outlook changes. Sin used to be the master of men and in the end handed them over to death. Now grace is the ruling factor with righteousness as its purpose and its end, the bringing of men to the eternal life of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So grace will cause you to be brought to righteousness. By grace you're saved through faith. So what does grace do? It brings us to the realm of righteous where you are right and I am right before God all the time. I said all the time. You and I are right before God all the time. Why or how? Because of what you do? No, because of grace. Grace brings you into a different realm that you can never get into by yourself. 
You can never work for it by yourself. Grace brings you into the realm called righteousness. Oh, I'm telling you. In Romans 5, 21, it says, Sin used to be the master of men. In the end, it handed them over to sin or to death. Sin still holds people in bondage today. And I thought about this. When, before Adam and Eve sinned, there was perfect health on the planet. In the Garden of Eden, you remember? Everything was perfect. Everything. The weather was perfect. No thorns. No mosquitoes. There were probably mosquitoes, but they didn't bite and cause you to itch. But I mean, the, everything was perfect, though. Everything was perfect. No sickness. Adam and Eve didn't even get tired. Can you imagine that? That's just, we don't, we can't comprehend that right now. But I mean, everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. And then when Adam and Eve sinned, everything changed. The curse was brought into the earth. Sin had, it was the, uh, uh, the locomotive and it had a lot of cars attached to it. It brought in a lot. And one of those was sickness and disease. A lot of those, uh, those car trains was uh, a lack of peace, a lack of joy, lack of patience, just lack, period. Sickness and disease, poverty and lack, I mean, depression, you name it, everything was brought in after that. But what brought it in and what all of those were attached to was sin. Sin brought all of those in there. But God wants you and I to know the whole outlook changes because of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just, some, this may hit some of you. Can a life of depression and being negative all the time change? People who never have anything positive say, to say, can their life change? People who are always sick, can their life change? Especially those who have been diagnosed with an incurable disease. It's incurable. I'm sorry. There's nothing else we can do. Can that change? Absolutely. People who are always broke, can their life change? People who are always unhappy, can their life change? People who are always mean, just keep looking forward. Don't even, don't let your peripheral vision even just get tunnel. funny guy uh, can their life change people with bad habits can their life change people with anger and being short temper can their life change people who think they have no future can their life change people who are have never been successful I've never succeeded in anything I just can't be successful who always seem to fail at everything. Can their life change? People who think they have no love to give. Can their life change? People who've had bad marriages and bad relationships. Can their life change? People who are quitters and quit at everything. Can their life change? People who think there's no way out of this mess. Can their life change? People who think there is no hope for them, can their life change? What has happened to make a changed outlook possible for you and me? What brought that about? 
In Romans 5, 8, it says, But God commendeth his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He commended his love toward us. Love is what called, caused all of this to be available for to you and me today. Love is what provided a wonderful life that is just beyond our hopes and dreams even. In Ephesians 3.20 says that God is doing exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that is already in you, not going to be in you. I said not going to be, already is in you. And, and so that's why so many Christians today, because they haven't seen this, and so they're still begging God for it to happen. God, when, when are you going to bless me financially? When are you going to heal my body? When are you going to give me this wonderful life? When? When? And they keep begging and pleading with God. And, and I'm sorry to say that that prayer was answered 2,000 years ago. It was. He took our infirmities. He took our weakness, and he exchanged all of that for health and healing. He took our poverty and exchanged that for abundance. In John 10.10, 10, it says he's given us this life of abundance till it overflows. In Romans chapter 8, this is a long one, so just hang with me. Verse 1 through 9, it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. <clears throat> and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So he's saying this, if you're born again, you've got it. Quit trying to beg God to give you more. You got it. The Passion Translation of Romans 5. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Can we just read that out loud together, that, that, that sentence? Are you ready? One, two, three, read. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us Flawless in his eyes. Ooh. Everybody can see your flaws, and the closer people are to you, they know your flaws and your weaknesses. And if you've been married more than six days, things get exposed. 
And all the married people said, amen. I mean, you, there's stuff like, I did not know that about you. Well, just keep living. You're going to find out a lot more you didn't know about that person. But the good news is this. That's not the way God sees you and me. He literally sees you and me flawless. I said, he literally sees you and me flawless. Why? Because he sees you through the righteous eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. He sees you through Jesus. And Jesus is flawless. This means, we'll continue reading verse 1. We can enjoy true and everlasting peace with God. Because God sees us flawless, all of a sudden now we can enjoy life. And not only enjoy life, we can enjoy all the peace that God has for us and the wonderful life he's given to us if you truly believe that, that God sees you flawless. So the, there's an ongoing thing in the church realm that, you know, you're, you don't measure up and you never can measure up, but, you know, just keep trying. Just keep working at it. Keep trying to be holy. Keep trying to be righteous. But there, there'll be one day and it'll all be over with. And that's why people, you know, get into heaven and they go, thank God, it's over. Why? Because they couldn't do it and couldn't live up to it. But this is not what the Bible tells you and me. He says, God sees you flawless. And if you see yourself in the way that God sees you, you'll be able to enjoy the wonderful life that he's provided for you and me. But if you don't see that, you'll always keep trying and keep working. Oh, it is so good. This means we can enjoy true and lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Oh, my goodness. Not what I've done or what I'm going to do. He says it's because of what he's done. That's why I get to enjoy life. Come on now. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. I'm telling you what, if you don't own the Passion Translation, you better get you one. This is just, it's slap you upside the head gospel. You know what I mean? That's a good thing. In Kentucky, that just means this is slap you. What does that mean? Oh, that's so good. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Where does that stop? What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance, and patient endurance will refine our character, and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. You know, people hoping, go, oh, yeah, I believe one day uh, I'm j everything's just going to be perfect. No, that, it, this is not going to be disappointing fantasy because we can now, everybody say now, we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. For when the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Now, who of us would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly and mean and just mean and just real mean. And God still died for you. Verse 9, 
And there is still much more to say of this unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration. You are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifices of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. Never experience the wrath of God. Never in the Greek means never. In case you want to do a word study on that. Verse 10. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. It's one thing to be great friends with Jesus. He says there's something even greater than being friends with God. It's being one with God. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more will be rescued from sin's dominion? But here's the $50 million question. How do we step in to his world to enter into the wonderful life? How do we do that? You say, well, I know you need to be born again. Well, there's a lot of people born again whose life is just hell on earth. And they're miserable. And there's no difference in their life than people that they work with. There's a lot of people who have come up a little bit and they're starting to learn who they are in Christ. Now you're starting to elevate this wonderful life to where you see the kind of life that God wants for you because you know who you are in Christ. That's a step. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, it says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So what did the law of sin and death bring in? It's just like I said. It was that when Adam and Eve sinned, this locomotive with many cars attached to it all came rushing into this planet. The curse. Deuteronomy 28, you can read about it. Sickness, poverty, lack, depression, unfulfilled, insecure in every area. It's just all of these things came. What brought all of that in? One sin, one simple sin. And all of this came rushing in. But this is what Romans 8, 2. If you and I are going to be able to walk out this wonderful life, you have to understand Romans 8, 2. It says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made, not will when you get to heaven, not will when you get your act together. Dear Lord, we'd all be in trouble. Not when your husband starts treating you better. Not when your wife starts treating you better and quits burning stuff. I mean, just, I mean, you can, the list goes on and on. Honey, if you just would not burn my breakfast one time this week, I think life would be sweet. And she's got a list 10 times long. If you would just pick up your stuff. Do we really want to go there? Okay, not really. Okay, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. And you could say this, and everything that has attached itself to sin. Sin and death is everything that is, it's that long train of caboose. God has put, uh, what do you call those, splitters. And that, that train now has been split off your track. That's a good illustration. I don't know what those things are called. What are those things? That, Jesse's not here. He's the train guy. But it, it, a switch, a switcher? Switch. God has put a switch in your track to where all of that stuff that, that, that sin is attached to 
Everything that sin has been attached to has now been switched off your track and off my track. Everything. And now we have available for us this wonderful life that I've been talking about because of the, of the great exchange that what Jesus has done for you and me. So Christians in the eyes of God are no longer slaves to the law of sin and death. Every sin, every addiction, everything that the devil says, you, I've got you, you keep sinning this, you keep doing this. No, it's the other way around. I'm far above it. Just like in, during the slaves movement in America, which is a terrible time in our history. But thank God that I believe God just moved through Abraham Lincoln. He was not, uh, uh, he just had a lot of things negative going against him. People weren't trying to encourage him. He kept notes in his pocket. If, if somebody wrote something good and he would pick it up out of his pocket to read to encourage himself because there was very little of that going on. In 1862, in September, he signed the Emancipation Proclamation document that was going to go into effect January 1st, 1960, or 1863. 1863, everything was going to change. But this is the problem. Even though it was a legal document and everything had been done for all slaves to be free in America, all slaves were not freed. There were some that didn't. There were some that were immediately, but then there were some that didn't know the truth. And there were some that were shielded from the truth moved away from the truth that when their uh, owners they, they would find out and move actually further away from the Union Army that was coming in to, to make sure that this happened even though there was truth out there some of the slaves for months even years still lived in slavery and bondage I was thinking about this and, and I just since the Lord says the same is true with the church today 2,000 years ago, there was more than Emancipation Proclamation that was written in blood. 2,000 years ago. And I'm telling you, it set us free from the law of sin and death that had its grip upon us and chained us to the ground. It chained us to poverty. It chained us to sickness. It was, it, we were submitted to everything that sin would try to do to us. But 2,000 years ago, God says, I'm going to give my son for the great exchange, and he, you're going to be totally set free. The law of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death, and it's been proclaimed 2,000 years ago, but yet the church has still not grasped a hold of that truth and reality of it. And there's things in my life I start saying, well... Well, let me read. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me read Romans 8 from the Passion Translation. It says, so now the case is closed. <laughs> 2,000 years ago, honey, this emancipation, it's closed. It's a sign. It's done. It's finished. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Did you hear that? As far as God is concerned, there is no accusing voice for you ever again. 
God is never going to have an accusing voice in the back. Are you doing this? You're doing that? No, the only one who does that is the devil and maybe your relatives. <laughs> I snuck that in there. Anyway, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Where am I reading? Okay. For the law, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life, for the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated you and me from the law of sin and death. Oh, not when we get to heaven. Right now. Oh, where am I? Verse 3, for God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the reckless or the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness, clothed with humanity. God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. So now, every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us and we are free to live mm. free to live not according to our flesh but by the dynamic power of the holy spirit those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves but those who live by the impulses of the holy spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities for the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to His direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if you are not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you're not of Him. Now Christ lives His life in you, and even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, His life-giving Spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Did you hear that? You are fully accepted by God. I started meditating on that this week, and I just thought, well, Lord, what... If we are free, if we do have this wonderful life, you know, I mean, I, I've known about healing. You know, as a foundation, I, I'm hoping the majority of our churches, at least on this foundational truth, and that is that you know that God wants you well and that he's a good father. Yeah. I hope if you've been coming here for more than two weeks, you know that. Yeah. If you don't, you somebody needs to check your pulse. But anyway... Um, I said, Lord, we know this is truth. But why isn't this truth? The Bible says, you know, the truth was such a... Why isn't this setting us free? Why isn't this getting us into and stepping into this wonderful life? Why? And then it, I started getting something. Knowing truth and having truth is not the only thing or not the thing that sets you free. Now listen to me now. If you just stop right there, that would be a wrong statement. But listen to how I'm going to clarify that. You can have truth between your ears and it not be manifested in your life. This is what I, I started seeing. 
when you see something as truth for you, revelation comes. I'm going to say it again. Remember when I said, don't forget the phrase, you will see me again? You will see me again. And because I live, you will live also. But what is you will live also preface with? You will see me. You can be a Christian, but not see the reality of the truth and the promises of God, and therefore they're not being manifested in your life. It's all about, you know, like light and darkness. Do you realize that darkness has no power whatsoever? All the devil is in his kingdom is symbolic of darkness. And we think darkness is powerful. Have you ever gone into a pitch black room? I know you have. That's a rhetorical question. Don't answer. But I mean, uh, you go into this dark room and you flip the light switch on. What happens immediately, not with any hesitation whatsoever? Darkness leaves. There's not one little patch of darkness in the corner going, I'm not leaving. I am not, I'm rebelling. I am not, you can't make, I'm not going to, no, honey, nobody's ever seen that. I said, nobody's ever seen that. Nobody's ever seen it. Well, pastor, there was this one. No, honey, you are something's going on up here. No, when you turn the light on, you don't even hear the darkness going, I, I'm not going, no, it doesn't even have time to say anything. Darkness cannot even speak anything. Once the light switch is turned on, immediately, immediately darkness leaves. It has no power. Like, well, you know, I'm tougher than light. No, it does not. It cannot. So light, we know, is greater than darkness. And when you see Jesus in the reality of the law of life in Christ Jesus, and you see you have that, and that's in you, and that's what you are, and that you're one with Jesus. When you see that, and it's not just truth, listen to me, it's not just truth, but you see yourself in that light, now that light will empower you to have the wonderful life. Did you know it's that way in everything? Darkness, light's far greater. Sickness, healing is far greater. There's, no, there's nothing incurable disease. God doesn't go, okay, I want a, a half a dozen of you angels going down there and just, just giving it to them because, you know, it's, it's incurable. It's incurable. No. No. I'm not trying to make light of that. I'm just saying we have the wrong mindset that, oh, sickness is, str- it's really, it's powerful. Just like people think darkness. It's dark out there. You know, when God created everything, the Bible says, and it was pitch black dark, he didn't go, whoo, it's dark out there. No, what did he say? Light be. When light be, darkness leaves. When sickness is and healing comes, it's done. Light is, darkness is, has no power in and of itself. It's just the absence of, of the light it's just the absence of life healing is just the absence of the power of the healing word of God it's just the absence of that are you hearing me poverty it's just like whoa poverty it's it's 
my father, my grandfather, we were all just poor, you know, we just live for But thank God we made it. And you know what? You'll teach that to your kids and they'll barely make it. And it, I, I'm not trying to be, I don't know what I'm trying to be. I'm trying to give you the revelation here. What I'm saying is it's not more powerful than the abundance of God. It's not. It is not. There is nothing in the devil's kingdom that even remotely comes close to the kingdom of God. It's all related to light and to darkness. If you can get that in your frame of mind, everything that is part of the curse, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, Galatians 3.13, God says Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. What does that mean? He's redeemed us to the point that it's far greater what he did than what Satan did. That's not, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, but it goes all the way back to what happened, what the devil has done with your life. Evil is just the absence of the goodness of God. It's just the, these things that I'm telling you about, it's the absence of something that is far greater and far, far more powerful. Are you understanding that? Just get a picture. Darkness is no power. All you have to do is turn the light switch on. You don't have to look in there and just go, okay, I'm going to check it out this time. I'm going to see if darkness really goes. I'm telling you, when we start seeing what Jesus has done for us, the life of the Spirit, the Spirit, the, the life of God, I'm telling you, it will cause you to have your eyes open. This is why Paul said in Ephesians, the Ephesian prayer, he says, I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. What? Well, you can have truth, you can have knowledge. And I know the Bible says that, you know, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. That is true. But even if you have knowledge and even if you know of truth, if there's not you seeing yourself in that truth, there will be no revelation. But when you see yourself in that truth, revelation comes. And then guess what? It doesn't matter if, if you see in your, with your natural eyes or not. Your natural eyes will look at your checkbook and go, oh, it didn't work, Pastor. I'm still in the red. All right, well, look, I mean, I still got this pain. I got this pain. I just, I got this pain. Both days, I got it. So it didn't work. No, you haven't seen something that's greater than your pain. You haven't seen something that's greater than your poverty. That's the, where the problem is. You haven't seen the life of God the law of the life of God in Christ Jesus. You haven't seen that because when you see that, the law of sin and death is far beneath you. And then guess what? There's no time. You know, you go, I'm going to believe this, but you know, how long do I have to wait, Pastor, for this to happen? No. The Bible says, now faith is. When you start seeing the way that God sees, guess what? There's no time clock. There's no calendar. I'm believing God for a new building. I'm believing God for a university. I'm believing God for you. I'm believing God for this. I'm believing God for that. Oh, if he would just hurry, what is it taking so long? You haven't seen it, honey. I said you haven't seen it. You may have it between the ears, but when you see the law of life in Christ Jesus, that word life is zoe. It means the life of God. And when you have that and you know it and you see it, 
then it doesn't matter what you feel, how you're being treated or mistreated. It doesn't matter how, what's going on out here because you've seen something that the world can't take it away from you. Nobody can mistreat you to the degree that you lose your joy. I said, nobody can mistreat you to the degree to make you lose your joy. I said, nobody can mistreat you to make you lose your joy. Why? Because I've already seen joy, and I've seen myself in joy. I see myself in victory. So no matter how you treat me or mistreat me, I'm going to have joy. I'm sorry. You are too late. You are too late. Amen, amen. This is why Paul saw this. You read the, the epistles of Paul, the letters of Paul. He says, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. Why? Because he says, you can put me in prison. You can shipwreck me. You can bite me with a snake. But when it's all said and done, I'm shaking it all off and know that I have victory through my Lord Jesus Christ because I have seen myself in his glory and in his truth, and therefore I am victorious no matter if I'm in prison I'm just as free as if I'm outside of prison. You can't, you can't keep somebody in prison. You can't make me a slave, honey. I mean, you can't make me anything because I've seen something. Do you see something? God wants you and me to see something. And when we start seeing it, you step into another life. It's his life, the life of God. It's the life of God. Let's stand here.